This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode nine of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. On today's episode, we have Chef Kesey of Bufista Personal Chef and Catering Services. We talk a lot about her background, including African cooking, as well as how you want to position yourself in the marketplace. We're also joined by Jared of Barbecue, who is already in attendance and decided to join in on the conversation. We hope you enjoy the show, and please let us know what you think. Thanks. Here we are with another episode of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Chris. And today we have with us Chef Kesey, AKA Bufista, personal chef and catering services. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming in. So happy to be here. We're glad to have you. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for the food. She just fed us chicken and rice. Do you want to say the word? I'm not going to try and say what it's actually called. Um, Puliasa. Puliasa. And it's a dish from Senegal. So good. Okay. So Chef Skeezy, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where you where did you start? Where are you from? Where did all this come from? Sure. So where do I start? So I was um born and raised in Cote d'Ivoire, which is in West Africa. Uh, my mom's in Sierra Leone, that's from Congo, Brazzaville, because there are two Congos. That's more Central Africa. So born and raised in, in Ivory Coast, moved to the US in July two thousand and one. So I've been here for about eighteen years. Um, my love for cooking started, I would say, during college. Actually, my junior to senior year, um, I used to host like a lot of friends over at my mom's house and cook. Um, actually, acheke, which is cassava couscous, and like grilled fish, which is a, a prominent known dish in Cote d'Ivoire. And my friends loved it. I mean, they were always looking forward to like you know me hosting whatever. And, kind of spiraled into a few a few years later I spiraled into me doing like a few orders here and there over the weekend of echeke and grilled fish and even the pulley asal. And I was like, you know, this is this is really good. People love it, like it, you know, why not turn it into into something, you know? You kinda turn what you you love, your passion into something if you're able to make. So what did you study in college? I studied international business. Oh, and then did you start your, that was like Bufusa started while you were in college? It started after college, I would say. So mm-hmm. I would host during college days, stuff, yeah. 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 But then like a few years later, then Bufusa's kitchen was, was born, basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I registered the business name, I think, 2014, 2015, legally in the state of Maryland. Worked on my branding logo, whatever, for like a year to a year and a half. Got my license and and here we are, private chef and catering services. So basically, um, cooking dishes from my childhood, like I said, from um, Cote d'Ivoire and things that I've grown to love from the American cuisine that I bring into into my own like my own recipe. That's an interesting take. Um... And you know what? It's funny because people always ask me like, so what type of cuisine like do you cook? 
I know some people are going to say like Afrofusion, you know, whatever descriptions, but I, I always describe it as things from my, my, my childhood mm-hmm. and things from the American cuisine I love. So is that exclusively what you cook? Like would someone hire you to do chicken parmesan or meatloaf? Like do you do that? I could. That's, I can. Yeah. But I'm it's sure you would prefer to do your own foods from right. your background because you have more passion for them, right? Right. But then I'm not also closed off. I think that's an interesting thing. Like sometimes you can dilute your thing so much that you're not special anymore. You know, it's like when you go to a Chinese restaurant and then they're serving pizza on the kid's meal because they feel like they have to have it or something. You know, Um, I struggle with that myself just because I can make anything. Does that mean I should make anything? And all of customers reach out to me wanting me to make, you know, they'll tell me what they want. and, And sometimes I do it, but sometimes... I just feel like it's straying too much from kind of my specialties and what I like to do. And I will refer them to another chef in our group who can maybe serve them better. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. so you do do some things other yes. than those foods. Um, definitely not, not close off to the chicken. I look at it kind of like a, a little challenge. You know? Do you have favorite dishes uh, that you make that aren't part of your background? Like if you had to no. pick, no, nothing. What's your favorite dish to cook um, for anyone if you were hired to cook for them? You can never go wrong with rice and chicken. So we got the best today. You, you did get the best. You did, like if it wasn't raining, I would probably make you some of my beef skewers or some snapper for Andrew. For Andrew. <laughs> for Andrew but yeah, my puliasa and my my um my spicy beef. We actually call it soya in West Africa. So the, the so puliasa is um a Senegalese dish, but is that? Is it something that you grew up with too? Like, was it? Is it one of those dishes that kind of transfers? Like, it's more widespread than just Senegal. So, didn't grow up eating it quite a lot, right. but knew of it growing okay. up. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And just kind of tried my hand at it and made my own recipe, and here we are. Very cool. So, what was um? You said you studied international business, but you were already kind of in the direction. Like, you already had a career in food, it seems like, before you even really had a career in food. Did you ever work in, like, any restaurants or anything? Or, or Absolutely any? not, no. All self-taught. Just home cooking. Just home cooking. That's Straight how it from feels, the heart. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I got the first-hand experience. Um, so what – well, I guess you, you said you still um, – you still work. You're still working right now, yeah. I guess. So, because usually what I ask people is like, what's their breaking point? Like, you, what you, I'll ask what your career is before, okay. before your business, yeah. um, and then like, what was your breaking point? So, what I want to ask you is, what do you think your breaking point will be, or like, do you think there is a breaking point, or are you happy with the way it is now? Oh my God, where do I start? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that question a lot because people always ask me, so like, what's your end goal with Bufista, right? So I've been doing procurement for about 13, 14 years. And procurement is basically the acquisition of goods and services, like, you know, managing contract, contracts. I I love what I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> nine to five, right? And I also love doing Bufista. How do I balance that? Um, since I'm just starting and getting my, my feet wet, I would say, in the industry, for now, I don't get as many gigs as I would love to, so I guess I kind of have a little bit of room to like, you know, manage, manage both. And so I work nine to five, Monday to Friday. And then for now, I only take gigs over the weekend. Mm 
if I'm required to travel, I will, you know, take a few days off work in order to, you know, make that happen. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's my side hustle if I don't invest in it or, you know, go after opportunities, then business won't grow. So I, I, I hope I'm answering your question um, there. So that's that's kind of how I'm, 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 I'm balancing both. Um, I would love to open something. Uh, not too big. Um, um, in the long run, but fear. So you mean brick and mortar, like yes. a restaurant? Yes, yeah, a restaurant. Like, yeah. So my 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 ideal thing would be like a restaurant slash lounge where people can come in, chill. You're able to hear each other. I don't want like that whole club vibe where like you're like screaming over each other, but just come in, chill. Have a good time, music. But definitely food. seated versus like takeout. Because you see a definitely lot of, seated. especially I, I feel like in the kind of African food, you see a lot of very quick takeout, takeout right, kind of things, right, but not a lot of right. more towards the formal diet. Right. I want it to be like, oh, it's Friday after one. What do you want to have now? Like, oh, let's hit up, I don't know what it's going to be called, but let's hit up the pizza. Like, let's go to a spot, have some good home cooked food, some drinks, some good music, and like, you know. Go Could it be called Bufista? Bufista's Kitchen. That's a good question. I've been thinking about it, but I'm not sure if I want it, if, if it's going to be Bufista's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. For that kind of vibe I'm looking for, like lounge slash restaurant. I think it's interesting, like getting getting locked into a name. You know, my business is Perfect Little Bites, and it was almost like a side joke name between my wife and myself. And then, you know, I'm like, uh, I think I came up with a name almost 20 years ago. And you're like, I don't even know what that means anymore, but I've branded as such. And I'm just going to roll with it. And, you know, we can kind of talk about the backstory. Mm-hmm. I just want to jump back a couple minutes because you said something about traveling and I follow you. So you've traveled for paid catering gigs before. Absolutely. Now, were they people you knew or people who didn't know you? Because I'm interested in the whole traveling for work. Like, I would love to fly somewhere really cool and do a dinner for someone. Any right. thoughts or recommendations on that? So back to my catering days, like, where I'm doing gigs over the weekend. So I have a friend who um, was doing home with, I mean, women's women's retreats. And she came up to me and said, hey, listen, um, this year we're going to, I think it was Evergreen, Colorado. Um, I want you to come over, come to Colorado and cook for like 12 women. You got to come up with a menu for like four days, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like I'm doing a large dinner the last night. Can you do it? And I'm like... Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's my <laughs> she was my friend. Her name is Sandra Kimayu, by the way. She's actually a business coach. Huge shout out to her, by the way. You know, it's really cool because she's been like one of my biggest uh, cheerleaders. And I have to say, like, I I kind of like give her credit for where I am at now as far as Bufista goes. So shout out to Sandra. But anyways, I said yes. I said yes. We came up with the menu, the layout, everything. I mean, Evergreen, Colorado. Never been there. Don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, so we did like our research as far as stores and the menu, like are we able to find whatever we have in the menu in, in the stores? We're catering for African women. So you kind of have to think about like, you know, are they open to trying different things? So should we just stick to like African food? But it turned out to be um, amazing. And then following year, she booked me. And the third year, she booked me. The fourth year, she booked me. And even out of that, one of the attendees actually hired me to go to um, Colorado Springs to cater her and her husband's, um, they were having a bishop graduation or something a couple years ago. So yeah, that's kind of how the whole mm-hmm. traveling thing started with Sandra. So I've traveled the most with Sandra. Um, another one of her friends also actually um, um, booked me as well. 
So so it sounds like you kind of you kind of got in with a good network of people that seems to be a bit spread out. Right. And, right. And yeah. can afford it. Yeah. To help you travel. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's been it's been truly amazing. Um, you're able to see you know different places, cook in different environments. You know adapt adjust to what you have that's available you know you may and and most of these retreats were in um rented homes and you know you don't know what kind of pots they have what kind of tools they have in their kitchen so you know. story of my life that's, <laughs> that's the airbnb chef i know right so one of my my first because i love to grow right so one of my first questions is always like do they have a grow <laughs> that's why i bring everything with me right i bring my knives actually because yeah you know that is horrible yeah <laughs> so yeah i always bring my knives but yeah that's yeah that's kind of how the whole thing the travel thing um happened and actually most of my big gigs have been out of state very interesting yeah and we've talked about this a lot i think an interesting topic is charging what you're worth you know mm. i know you know my dinners yes. I, I say l- roughly like my price point is a hundred dollars a head and some people you know there's an audible gasp but you know whatever the market will bear. I've been doing this three years full time now and I'm able to support my family on that because there's a clientele for that. And similarly, there's a clientele who'll pay for you to travel. And I think if you can back it up with the food and deliver the goods, I really think there's a market for that and to be able to take your show on the road. And that's the thing I'm trying to express to everyone is, you know, work on your on your culinary game and step it up. And there's a lot of chefs out there right now charging $30 a head because they think that's all they can get. Like, if you want to be the chef who cooks for everyone, go nuts and do $30 a head. But I'm telling you, there's a market out there, especially in big metro areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would rather do one dinner a week for 20 people at $100 a head and make two grand in a day than right. be doing hundreds and hundreds of dinners at like $20 a head. But, you know, right. that's just me personally. Does the traveling aspect of it have a large, um, does it have a large effect on your, your pricing when people ask you to travel? Or is it just like, just get me out here, pay for my ticket, and put me up? Yeah, it's so it's, it's pretty much it with with a fee, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm technically taking the time off of my full-time job right. to be there. I'm taking time away from my husband, my kid, my weekends, basically. So, yeah, they, they pretty much cover... Um, travel and accommodation, and then I have a fee and pay for my groceries. I don't know how you guys, how wow. you would do it, but we, I think both of us usually buy our own food. I mean, my whole thing is my experience is all inclusive. So when I give you a number that includes my service, the groceries, I buy all my own groceries, bring them there, cook mm-hmm. them there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't add on a gratuity. Personally, I think it's tacky to have a mandatory gratuity. Like gratuity means I did something good and you're going to tip me. And these, you know, most caterers like throw a line item where it's like a mandatory 20% gratuity. Like at that point, why aren't you just attaching that to the bottom line? So I go in and say, you know, it's $100 a head. Mm -hmm. um, And I've seen everything from people who tip me up to 25% or more. Some people don't tip me anything. Someone give me a blanket, $50. Um, but everything's wrapped up. So when I say like I'm doing a hundred dollars a head for me, that means that's the cost of food and my service. And I do say I um, accept gratuities if you want to give me one. So see, that's that's very interesting because I don't know how tax for gratuities actually in my in my pricing or whatever. So whatever I quote is what it is. But the last event I did in Texas in September, she actually took me, which was surprising. Wasn't expecting. I never asked for it, but but she did, so that was pretty cool. So I, uh, I, I actually just started 
adding in gratuity, but it's more so like it's not just gratuity. Um, I've st I've added a twenty percent charge onto all my texts, um, and that includes like the organization, the administrative stuff, like any extra supplies that I might need. And what I say is that gratuity is just this is kind of like. You could just call it a setup fee. I call it a service fee. You could call it a setup fee, but um, I give an explanation for it. So like, you know, setup, coordination, organization. And I say that gratuity is included because we don't, I've never like charged just gratuity on anything. It's like if they tip fine, but I, I charge people enough so that I know I can pay my staff. But I have had my staff come to me like, hey, like, you know, a lot of people don't tip. Because it's not like the service is necessarily cheap that we do. Right. So people won't tip. But so my staff is coming out pretty much for the same. And maybe this is uh, at nobody's fault but my own because I pay them the same when they come for a catering than they do for any other day where they would get tips. Mm -hmm. So they'll be like, hey, like, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. they don't get a tip for catering. And I was like, well, maybe I should add gratuity. So now what I do is I add the set, the service fee, and that includes gratuity. And it actually helps me get paid for all the time that I put in before the actual event right. to organize and email them back and forth and, like, figure and out all know, these details. And a lot of people, you know, they feel like it's just food. Mm -hmm. So much that goes into it. think about everything that we go through in order to provide that end result. Right? So, like you're saying, you're already communicating with them day days in and days out you have to you know draft your grocery list your menu you're shopping probably going to five different stores you're storing it you're prepping chopping cutting dicing you name it we're doing it then we're like i if i have an event i spend about two days prepping right then you have the day of which is pretty much all day long people don't realize how much work we put into this and so sometimes when you're quoting they're kind of like, oh my god, you're expensive, but it, you know, it's it's all of it. And then I I bring the quality and the passion that I that I have for my food to the meals. So guest appearance with Jared from Barbecue here. I'm just sitting in, hey. like I said, same same days, two podcasts. Um, we've seen a lot of different tipping with what we do with barbecue. I mean, we also read a lot. I guess my question is is a lot of the rest of the world looks at tipping as a faux pas. Um, they look, is included. Hey, oh, well, gratuity is included, but I, I also feel like that pulls in our culture just because if we're like, I went out to DC yesterday and a 18% gratuity was included in all my check. Oh yeah. How many of you was it? It was a table of 10, but there were two different checks of five people. So it was like, okay, we have two separate checks of five, but the complete thing was 10 people. They looked at it both ways to where I'm going to hit 18% on both checks because it was a table of 10, not it's two separate checks of five people. So you have a lot of the rest of the world looking at tipping like it's the devil to where the U.S., not a lot of business owners are paying their servers a livable wage and they're expecting tips on top of it to make sure that they're getting that money. However, not all of those servers are worth the tips that they think that they are. So, you know, it's it's kind of an up in the air type thing as to is tipping worthwhile? Do you pay those people more based off of their time there and forget tipping? Or is it, you know, you have an amazing server or bartender or whatever it is 
that you've been there multiple times, you get to know them and you want to tip them more just because you know they're really not getting that much as far as a salary goes compared to their bread and butter goes within the tip itself. So I guess to round it back around, you know, is the whole gratuity thing over the top or is it exactly where we should be? I have very strong opinions about this. <laughs> I really do. Because I think that uh, it, we're in America right now, and it's like we have to do this thing called gratuity to ensure that we can pay the people that work for us, right? Like we might, from our perspective, we might be like, oh, well, this service is good and this service is not as good. We want to tip them more and less. But really, that should be, and I guess maybe from the European perspective or anywhere else, wherever they don't tip, um, they'll charge more, like you pay more so that those people get paid no matter what. And then it becomes, it's on the owner, it's on the manager to make sure that every single server or bartender is doing their job and making everybody happy, right? It's not on the customer to decide how much this person gets paid. Like you have a job, you get paid, that's it, right? So now that now we're in America where tipping is a thing and some people wanna shy away from tipping or like make sure we're getting paid for our services. So we add gratuity. Right. But it's like, I'm pretty sure in Europe where they don't tip as much or wherever, I don't really, I don't know what I'm like the geography of what I'm talking about, but basically it's like that word is just, I feel like that word has a negative connotation to it because it's like forced tipping, but really anywhere else it's like, it wouldn't be gratuity. You would just pay that much for your food and right. everybody's getting paid. I don't think that it's a, it's a, a forced thing per se. I mean, it, if you're talking about the you already, you're like you said, you're definitely like paying more because you want to make sure that like you can't see this many rewards. So euro is like euro the euro has more value than dollar, so you're paying more in your face already. But for me it's all about the experience, right? So if I go to your restaurant and I'm sitting there and whoever's coming to serve me is like, you know, super nice, super on point, um, and just food overall, everything was amazing. Um I'm, um, me personally, I'm more inclined to even tip above what I'm supposed to, just because I'm thinking, not just the server, but everything, the the whole picture. You know what I mean? So for me, you know, a hundred dollars plus a head, I'm not expecting that I get a gratuity. Like if I go home without a tip, I'm not in a position where I didn't make the money I need to make because I know that a lot of people aren't going to be tipping. Mm -hmm. So just at that price point, it is what it is. I would still say that I'm probably hovering around 80% of people still give me tips. Um, something interesting that I've really noticed is um, as much as we want to bash on millennials, they are my best tippers. The people in that age range are most likely to drop like a 20 to 25, sometimes 30% tip. And then it bumps up to the, the boomers. So you can say, okay, boomer all you want, but they, I feel like they came up in a time where you wanted to tip and they'll give me the money. I'm part of, Generation X, and I feel like we're going through the toughest times. And what I'm saying, I think, is really interesting. You know, we're 40 somethings. We maybe are on our first or second house. We got some kids. We're trying to have this dinner at home be really nice, but still pinch pennies. And if I'm not going to get a tip, it's going to be from all my uh, Gen X people out there. So I love bringing on the bachelorette parties. I love you, your fun menus, and your 30% tips. Um, you know, but but I pay, but I pay, I pay a little because it's at the end of the night. But I also, I don't hire servers. So when I do big parties and I need to hire someone, I mean, Andrew can attest to this. I pay my staff 40 to $50 an hour. Right, Andrew? Right. 
No, you know, I just absolutely. You know, I, I just I don't want to feel like anyone's coming for like super minimum wage or below minimum wage, and then if we don't get tips, it's coming out of my back end. I just figure that into my price, and I want to bring people out that I want to work with, and you know that means you're going to come out for four or five hours and make two or three hundred dollars, and that's just how I've built my business. And even if I don't get tipped, then it's fine. So those people coming out to work with me aren't getting tips per se. We've agreed on like a couple hundred dollars right. as the wage right. and anything on top of that's gravy. But, um, do you split your tips if you have a very, I don't, I don't yeah. split the tips. It's just usually part of the, you're already making like $50 an hour. Right. So I'm not throwing you more tips right. and sometimes you don't get any, sometimes it comes on the back end too, because now we're in this weird age of Venmo. So like we, I've had a couple of parties where I've gotten home and haven't even gotten paid till the next day. Um, and I've had some troubles, yeah. but at the end of the day, I've always gotten paid, but I don't even know sometimes when I leave how much money I'm going to end up with until the next day, once that's really? all said and done. Yeah. I'm not super anal about that. Like I tell people all the time, I don't do contracts. I don't do down payments and I've never gotten burned. I believe in a man and his word and a handshake and I haven't had any problems with that. And, you know, I'm not going to let one bad experience if I have one, um, shape the way I do my business. Yeah. So I'm going to take the next question because I know Andrew likes to throw this out there. So uh, what are you cooking? And that means like, what are you into right now? Are there any new dishes or anything you like to eat or in your business? What's cooking? Do you have anything new that you're kind of working on? Got uh, Right now, I would say, I would say, no. well, I would say the snapper, right? So let me give you a little background on that. <laughs> So I had this gig. His face lit up like he was like Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) So I had this gig in Austin in September, right? Um, Took a week to pack my stuff. All my stuff, scratches, all my tools, whatever it was, I barely did. Um, Left, flew to Austin, got to my hotel. It was kind of like I'm packing everything to kind of get ready for each day again. Realized I forgot, well, I couldn't find my spices for my grilled fish. So I was going to try um, the soy spice, like the beef I was talking about earlier, on, on grilled fish. So I was cooking for a Cameroonian uh, crowd folks from Cameroon, more like Central-ish Africa, and they eat a lot of fish. So I was like, okay, I've got to make some fish. So I went in total panic mode. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot my spices. What am I going to do? Oh my god, am I going to my god, like, so my, my um, friend who was there to, to assist me was like, girl, don't worry about it. You'll come up with something. So I literally did not sleep the night before because I, I kept thinking about, like, what's my plan B? Um, so the next day, um, went on the Internet, you know, look at a few YouTube videos of, like, you know, Cameroonian people, you know, making fish. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to get some parsley, some garlic, onions. And like make a green sauce and like stuff it in the fish and grill it. And let me tell you, they were eating that fish like it was plan X. Not plan one, not plan A, plan zero. I mean, it turned out so amazing. So I would say like that's the latest thing that I've kind of, I mean, I do grill fish, but um, with different spices, but I think like right now lately is kind of what i'm i'm into that's so by mistake that's your new it's my that's your new fish season that's my new thing yeah absolutely i feel like that's that's a pretty common thing like mistakes become the best Mm -hmm. ideas absolutely same thing on saturday for example 
Um, I was going to make some Mediterranean couscous and I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to make? And I was like, you know what? I have the spices from Dubai. I'm going to cook some basmati rice, add the spices to it. And, and bam, like it was so mm-hmm. good. And then I tried it today and you guys tried it with jasmine rice. Okay. And it's so good, you know? So sometimes I feel like, and, and it's funny, I posted something the other day um, in my stories. Like I felt like, you know, God deprives me of things that I'm used to to get me out of my comfort zone and try new things. Yeah, you right? get better out of it. And you get, yeah, you get better. So, you know, we have to, I get fear a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn to, you know, get out of that and doubt myself less and try new things. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think everybody kind of struggles with that at some level. Right, like, right. Just doing stuff. Right. Just that do you it. wouldn't normally do. Sometimes right. it's hard to just do it. Right. That's right. as simple. And then once you do it, it's like, oh my God. It's not even yeah. scary yeah. at yeah. all. Absolutely. I acted so scared. Coming from, because we do catering too with barbecue, I wish more people would realize that that happens a lot more times than what people think. And you get to a place and you think everything's going to be perfect the way that it is. And then you realize that you have to work off the cuff. And whether it's, you know, spices that you're using or outside elements or whatever it is, you know, we're we're out there working and we're working within the elements itself. So there's a lot more that goes into the back end of it than what a lot of people realize. So working out of necessity is a huge thing with what, what people are given just because it's not always going to be ideal. Did you want to ask about the uh, oh yeah the spices? I I've been kind of feeding Andrew a couple questions here and there, but you had mentioned grilling spices. Is there a big difference between grilling and oven spices, or you know poaching spices, or you know what Mediter- You know just the cuisine itself is one thing, but even within that cuisine itself, the cooking technique mm-hmm. changes. So, you know, grilling compared to whatever kind of technique you're using, do you find yourself using different spices for those different techniques? Um, no, I would say that I'm using the, the same spices, but the outcome's different, right? So if I was to, to bake snapper versus grilling it, when you're, and, and I charcoal grill, there's complete, like, different taste and flavor from, from grilling it versus baking it. But however, I'm... I'm still using the same spices mm-hmm. so there's not i don't really have a, a spice mix for baking versus spice mix for for grilling okay. yeah i just love grilling i think it's it's better than anything yeah okay if it's, with fire. If, it's, if it's cold it's not raining or snowing i'm out there I'm going to die. I'm out there grilling. I know. You're sitting at a table full of fire right now. I know. Yeah, pretty much. I know. You got a pit master, a grill master. I'm a flamethrower. You are. Flamethrower. Yeah, Yeah. it's the best. The best. Yeah. Got a motor at the hand of the fire starter. All right, we're going to take a break because we didn't even like, we just got right into the long end of our podcast without even taking a break that we usually do. So, you know, quick bathroom, 
We're going to get ourselves together, take a couple breaths, um, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. And because our last sec- our last session of the podcast kind of, um, you know, we went straight from the intro into the deep end. So we're just going to pick up where we left off and then without taking a break, go straight into our speed round on the fly. So um, all of the things that I want to discuss and questions that I had were already kind of answered in the, in the first round of our session, mm-hmm. um, except for I did want to kind of pick your brain on the differences, uh, at least for you, from your standpoint of personal chefing and catering. And like, where do you draw the line? What do you, you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference between those two things, in your opinion? I would say personal chef would be me coming to your home, right? And cooking everything on site and serving on site versus catering where um, prepping and cooking at a different location and transporting to the venue, right? Being on site, making sure that everything's going well, food is flowing as it should, the trays are not empty, and then, you know, cleaning up and, and packing up. I think that's how I would differentiate yeah. both. Right? Yeah, I kind of see it the same way. And I guess, the, but the reason I guess I, I wanted to get your take on it mm-hmm. is because, um, for example, when you take those, like you go to Austin and you feed 120 people, but you're not necessarily um, prepping in, in a different location, everything is happening on location so but it's so many people it's almost like that's catering, catering. you know what i mean yeah it's not i see really... what you're saying so yeah so in, in the sense of like traveling i think it could be a little bit of both maybe mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 kind of sort of your private personal chef because i'm on site you come down and see me and doing my thing but i'm cooking for so many people right yeah so it kind of feels like it's it's catering but then the question is as i'm trying to explain here do we relate private chef, personal chef to a certain number of people right? versus catering where it's like a large number of people? Mm -hmm. That would be a good question for Chris to... Well, I don't know. You know, that's what I've been trying to discern. And from what I can tell, it's just semantics, board of health regulations and fees, you know, because does a catering company ever cook dinner for two people? No. Could they? You know, does a personal chef ever cook for a hundred? Could they? You know, mm-hmm. and, and then you get into these gray areas of like, you know, from a from a legal actual standpoint, my understanding, at least here in the Frederick County area, is a personal chef is a service-based business. You go into someone's home, you bring all your food there, you prepare it there, you serve it to them. Mm-hmm. But people think of that as catering as well. You know, I have people who contact me all the time and say, will you cater my... Christmas party and what they mean is they want you to cook dinner for 10 people in their house they don't say will you come personal chef my dinner party but legally I'm not allowed to call myself a caterer because I don't have a catering license so then it gets really hard to market yourself like what do I do and how do you explain that I'm going to cook a dinner in your home for 10 people because I think people are thinking personal chefs are the people who come and make a week's worth of meals like that's really what a personal chef is thought of, I think, in the general public is, you know, this person comes to your house on Monday and they cook you dinner for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and leave it in the freezer to reheat. But now we're seeing personal chefs like myself who exclusively do the dinner parties, which I think most people think of as catering, but I'm not 
doing it yeah, out of a commercial yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have commercial kitchens I can use as needed, but for the most part, everything's done in my client's home. So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's also a gray area in my opinion. Okay. That makes sense. I think catering is also a different connotation, like between catering and caterer when you compare it to a personal chef. So like catering is an act, you know, it's like something that you do. You can be a personal chef and and be catering, right? Not according to the Board of Health and Frederick. <laughs> well, yeah, but you get what I'm saying, though, right? Like, just the idea of it. That's why right. people will say, hey, you're right. a personal chef, but people say, hey, can you cater this for me? Right? Because essentially, it's the same thing. But I got in trouble for putting that on my Facebook. Like, when I started my business, I didn't realize that it was, like, a government-licensed term. And I think I posted somewhere, like, hey, let me cater your holiday dinners. And I got a verbal warning from the Department of Health that that's a licensed term and I could get fined for using that. And they made me go back through all my social media and scrub everything that referenced the word cater or catering. Right, but I kind of see what Andrew's saying though, because I'm thinking if you're, if, you're, if, you're coming to, if you're coming to my home to chef it up, right? You're, in, you're essentially catering. Because you're 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 um prepping and cooking all the courses, right? And you're catering to me and my guests. And by catering, I mean you're serving, you're bringing the plates to the table, you're clearing. Second course, third course, same thing. So that is kind of essentially catering, isn't it? The way that I found out with the barbecue stuff, and this was kind of a harsh reality. Um, we had a couple that wanted us to cater their wedding at a venue and the venue, this was when we didn't have our caterer's license. So I called the health department and said, can I get a temporary permit for this? And they said, well, I, mm, I don't know. So well, what do you mean you don't know? And it's, well, there's a possibility because you're cooking for the public, but they're not paying you for it per person, so that's kind of up in the air. And I said, okay, well, what if it's for friends? Oh, that's fine, you can cook for friends. It's no big deal. Okay, so we go back to the venue and the venue says, well, you're not a licensed catering company, we can't have you here. It's like, well, if I get a temporary permit, can we still do this? No. Why can't we, it's for friends. Every other caterer on our preferred list has licensing, they have insurance, they have this, that, and the other, and they've been here before. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, what if I get you all those things? Well, you're not on our preferred list. So it's kind of like a wash there. And to get back to the whole original question, you know, can a, a caterer cater for two compared to, can a personal chef, can you, you know, can they do 100? Like, every bourbon is a whiskey, but not every whiskey is a bourbon. You know what I mean? So I feel like you have a lot more open-ended opportunity as a caterer, as a personal chef, just because you cook for the masses. And when you're cooking for a lot smaller people, it's kind of a welcomed break. Like I can put everything that I have into cooking for these two or three people compared to I have my whole team putting into this two or 300 people. And that whole gray area of the health department is just that cherry on top to where it, it only makes sense when you make sense of it in your mind and you explain it the right way the first time. So what I was getting at, aside from the health department and all that, just like perception from people, is that when you think of personal chef and when you think of caterer, 
um, like I said, catering is the act, right? Mm -hmm. But a personal chef is it's like you, it's it's a face, it's a brand, it's a style, it's swag, and you can have that as a caterer too. But like a caterer, a catering company, like they are an organization. They're, That's right. You think not, like a group of. People. Yeah, like people call you because they want Chef Keezy. They want Bufista. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah, not, you're not like the Bufista catering or, you know? And I, the way I look at it, like what you do and what Chris does and even me, even though I'm like Pizza Llama and I cater, but I don't, I don't put myself next to these catering companies because like I've seen what they do and no no shots or shame to anybody but i'm not impressed i'm really not but i see what you do and i see what he does and i see what i can do and i'm like how how can they they charge more than we do probably too you know maybe but they charge a lot and i'm not impressed like you're gonna give somebody frozen diced vegetables as their side your veggie side is diced carrots and peas seriously I know someone who wants it a lot on Friday. I like to get Sent me a picture of the food. And he's like, listen, did you have your pizza? This is disgusting. And it was literally canned meatballs. Yeah. Like, they don't go. They how? don't go hard for this. Huh. Like we do. Should, they don't should, go hard for this. You should like have like the, the client or whoever just order things and making them. I mean, yeah. But I think I think this is where you get into branding and what you want right. to be. And I don't even know if I've talked about this on another podcast. I talk a lot with friends, but you know, a lot of times your client has a budget, and you have to decide whether or not you can work with that. And I think a lot of people make the choice. And I know people. You know, let's just say. It's normally $50 a head for a wedding. And someone comes to you and says, I want you to do it for 30. And you say, yeah, sure, I can make it work. But then you don't give them what you would give a $50 catering event. You go and you get frozen fish and you slack it out and you use frozen vegetables and you buy pre-made quiche from Costco. But then the problem is you got all these people at this event who've never met you. They don't know anything about you. And their first experience with you is they get the cheap menu. And I feel that branding is... And quality, but you know, if your brand is that you're going to make really good food and then people show up and the first time they've had your food, they're having instant mashed potatoes at a wedding. Right. I think that's problematic and you could be doing yourself way more damage. You should have just skipped that $30 a head party. Right. So, and, and I think you and I have talked about this offline before, right? Where I've, I've gotten to a point where I'm okay with turning down a bid because it doesn't match what I'm about, right? So if you want me to come and serve like canned green beans and instant mashed potatoes like you like you said, it's probably not a good fit or a good match. You're not gonna get any more business from that. Yeah. Because absolutely. nobody's gonna think about, oh, they only paid the thirty dollar per head. No, right. they're just gonna think about right. how much you suck. Right, right. You know? I mean and we we serve I, I I've been following you guys for a long time. We serve good quality food. We put our heart and soul in every single thing that we make. So canned green beans, instant mashed potatoes. You can go to Costco. You got a $30 budget? I can help you out. <laughs> go to Costco. <laughs> get that tray, that wrap tray. You know, mm -hmm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And buy potato salad. The shrimp cocktail is really good. And, and there you have it. I mean, it's just not, 
And then nobody has to tarnish their name. Right, and right. But, you know, as yeah. we have businesses and we have brands that we're, we're trying to maintain, and I think that it's, 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 it's okay to turn something down if it's just not a good fit. There's a lot of power in saying that. Is it okay to advertise yourself as a lower end budget caterer though? Like, like you're just saying right there, like, I'm going to, okay, this is what we normally do. And here is our lower end budget of catering. We're going to give you the instant mash. We're going to give you that canned green beans. We're going to get ham that's already been pre-made and all that. And you'll have that clientele base. that's okay with that because they're willing to spend that lower portion, but is it okay to advertise that without mashing your own name to it? You're, at that point, you're curtailing to the customer as opposed to reaching for the higher end. I don't, I see, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, but you have to realize that like a lot of people are going to try that food and your name's associated with it. Right. So like, what do you want to be known for? And, and then yeah. when you're cooking it, right, when you're making those canned greens, like I... For me, it's 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 all a vibe, and it's really truly about passion and like really loving what I'm cooking, right? So I'm not gonna find any. I'm not gonna get any passion. I'm sorry, from cooking canned. <laughs> She's really hung up on canned green beans. Like, he hates canned green beans. I, 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 I Fresh, fresh vegetables. I want to, you know, add my spices to it, make it do what it do. Like, I don't no. It, it just yeah. depends on where you want to position yourself in the market. You know, it's like McDonald's is cheap food. It's cheap hamburgers. Cool. If you're a high-end burger chain, that's awesome too. There's place for that. But if then you're going to go and start buying the same products as McDonald's and selling that low end, you're going to start to get associated with that. There's nothing wrong with catering companies that do box lunches for $5 a head or who can come out and do your wedding for $15, $20 a head. But if you're trying to be the guy who also is trying to get the $80 a head customers, if you're going out there doing those parties, you're doing more damage, in my opinion, to your brand and where you've positioned yourself in the marketplace. I just, I just don't think that it's going to do you the justice on that. You know, imagine if tomorrow Andrew went to Costco and just bought a bunch of frozen pizza balls and started making pizza and did a party. And, you know, that would be a totally different product. And Absolutely. if he did, you know, a, a wine festival and served that pizza, those people there probably wouldn't be impressed, although he could probably make it work. But, you know. To go back to that budget package thing, I, um, there's other ways to do it. Like, for example, I... I don't typically offer it, but if somebody is willing to, you know, like some people will just be like, oh, that's out of my budget. Like, and then they don't want to talk about it anymore because it left a bad, maybe, it, I don't know, left a bad taste in their mouth or whatever. And that's fine. I don't like go fishing for this because it's not as like profitable for me and it, it doesn't serve me as well. But if somebody like really wants me to do a party, I do want to do, like somebody really wants me that bad. Like I want to do whatever I can to like, to make it happen because you know you're excited about it your people are excited about it i'm excited about it so what i can do for people is like if you if you're on a budget and you need a better price point or cheaper price point not necessarily better but for me personally i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um change what i do like i'm not gonna give you a lesser product what i'm gonna do is i'm only gonna cook you cheese and pepperoni or something, or like, you know, like you might have like just a couple pizzas, just simple pizza menu and 
I'm going to cap it. Like, it's not going to be all you can eat. It's going to be like everybody gets a slice or two, a little bit, you know, like that's my budget package. You know what I mean? And I, I agree with that. Like, I would rather, you know, so my dinners are traditionally like four to five courses. Like, maybe you can squeeze a three course. Like, maybe, you know, you set the table with your own silverware or, I don't know, provide your own dessert. Like, you want a cake. I think there are ways to work around that without having to take your core product and make a cheap, less tasty version of that. I would rather find other ways to make it work within the budget than that. For me, it's also like maybe you want a dinner on a Saturday. I can I can afford to do it on a Thursday for your budget, but I can't give up a Saturday to do that. So I do think there are ways to kind of work around that. But, you know, that's one of the things that I love about the Chefs Without Restaurants group is there are lots of chefs who do different price points. So when I have someone who comes to me and their budget's, $40 a head, that doesn't work for me usually, but I'll bounce that in the group and someone almost always grabs one of those parties and does it. So there are different people out in the market catering to different things. So, you know, a little plug for our group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's not something that one of us can do, quite often there is someone who can fill that market at that price point. I feel like that's the struggle between quality versus quantity and figuring out how to put those together. Like you were talking with pizza to where I'm going to give you my absolute best pizza, but what would normally be an eight slice pizza is not going to be 10 to 12. And, you know, we're going to give you the same amount of pizzas, but you're getting a lot more slices out of it. And it's not going to change quality wise because it's still going to be the best pizza that you, you can get from me. But, you know, when you're out in a group setting and you have people around you, you're going to hold back a little bit because you're afraid of being that person who's got that giant full plate in front of you. To where if you're doing a regular catering job to where you know those people have that flexibility within their menu to get as much out of it as they want to, to where you can do that five course meal to where you can do, you know, let me see what I can put on your pizza. I have two, three, and four different types of meats that I can put on top of it. You know, let me give you everything I have plus some because you're willing to get into that. And it's just working with what you have while you have it and where you have it, understanding the customer and getting through with it that way. Agreed. Lots of great thoughts in there. Yeah. We should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we can start a podcast. <laughs> Bubfista. Uh, Bubby and Bubfista. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, well, I think, um, man, that was a really cool conversation, and I'm glad I brought it up. Uh, we're going to jump right into On the Fly right now, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of... Yeah, on the Fly. <laughs> that, was, that was me smacking the fly, right? So, yeah, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want you to answer them as fast as you can. All right? Ms. Bufista, what is your favorite tool in the kitchen? It's not in the kitchen. Something like that. Grill. Well. It's still, I mean, yeah. it's still a kitchen tool. I like it. Uh, okay. I'll cook anything on it. That's real. What's your favorite food to eat? Oh, my God. I love, 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 like, you know, African food, but I say Thai food. Mm. I love Thai food. What's yours? Real quick. Ooh. <laughs> 
breakfast. <laughs> no, I, really love, I love pizza. I love waffles. Oh, I love yeah. shrimp and grits. Oh, I love I whole make, fish, red snapper. Well, me too. You could just throw the red snapper on top of that. <laughs> I've had I've had Chris's shrimp and grits, but it's not like my mom's. I'm so scared of Chris's food, man. It just would be on point. I don't want to compete with him. It's on point, and my shrimp and grits was very on point. Right. I didn't say it. What I didn't say my mom's was better. But it's not like my mom's. <laughs> All right. All right. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, if you had the money. What is the first position you would hire for? I'm trying to reword that question so it makes sense. I, I feel like because I don't have a lot of ex I don't have like a like any more experience, I would probably hire someone who's who has a lot of experience in the industry or someone who hire a GM. A GM. There you mm -hmm. go. I was thinking manager in the back of my head, but yeah, someone who knows the ins and outs of having a restaurant. That's like yeah. the first place I'm hiring. Yeah. We wear a lot of hats, and it's like... We do. But we don't always wear them well. I that's wear true. all the hats in my business, but that's I don't true. wear all of them well. Right. So Absolutely. That's why I asked that question. Yeah. So who's, you who's your favorite chef? So, I don't... You know, it's funny. I don't really have a favorite anything. I mean, I have a favorite... I, I love Thai food. Mm -hmm. But I don't really have a favorite anything, which is... Weird. Who's the first chef that comes to mind when I say that? Maybe I know Garden. And Garden? Or Bobby Flay. Okay. Like Bobby Flay be doing some or bad Christian brunches. from Hooch and Banner. Or Christian, yes. You or seem Christian. like him. Yeah, I like, I like his personality. He's, he's a cool dude. But I, you know, like um, Barbecue was saying earlier, um, Social media is great in the sense that there are so many different people that you can follow that offer different, you know, things as far as the industry goes. So I kind of admire what, you know, everyone and what everyone is doing, basically. But favorite per se, specifically, not really. I understand. Art or science? Art. Me too. Can't do science. It's too much. <laughs> What's Do you watch Black Mirror? I have, yeah. Yeah. I have. It's weird. We don't even have Wi-Fi at my house. Whoa. Right? Yeah. We're still living in the 90s. <laughs> living in the 90s, maybe even the 80s. That's cool, though. Right? Like you just get to unplug when you get home. Right? All right. So um, what's one thing you do differently from everybody else? One thing that I would do differently. That you do. Oh, okay. that I do differently. Mm -hmm. Fly. On the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think too hard. I was gonna say the passion, the love, the quality that I put into my food, but I think at the end of the day, like each and every one of us like bring that to the table mm -hmm. in terms of our, our that, food businesses. And that is what makes us different. So that answer works for me. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite digital tool? My phone. I use it for everything. Networking, social media, connecting, you name it. Okay. Recommend a book or a podcast? 
uh, recommended podcast, you make sure you follow Chefs Without Restaurants. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay? I knew that was going to come up. Absolutely. Make sure point. you follow Chefs Without Restaurants. She's right. Amazing content, amazing chefs, amazing everything as well. So, and what is your favorite culinary resource? Chris always brings up the example of um, serious, serious Seats, Food Lab. Yeah, Food mm-hmm. Lab. Is it better if I say I don't really follow one? Or a little bit. More? Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a girl. You don't I mean, have a culinary I... resource. I mean, where do you draw inspiration from? Your culinary resource could be. Go ahead. So, I don't know. Is it different because the Bufista thing is a part time thing? Like, do you think it would be different? If tomorrow you spent a hundred percent of your time in the food world, because you have so much time dedicated, the majority of your time is dedicated to not being in the food world. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, I think with with us, you know, it's our full time job, so you have way more time, and you're really in the trenches of all right. that. So and you're right. That could really that could really be it. Because it's not a hundred percent, one hundred percent time. Also, your 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 resource. Um, I mean, you, your your biggest resource could be your heritage. Like, I feel like that's a thing. You know what You're I mean? You're right. My childhood, right? Yeah, you say that that's where, from. yeah, exactly. You're right. So, You're right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's an extremely acceptable answer. My heritage. Yeah. And social media. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we were saying that at the end of, of Bubby Q's. It's like yeah. social, like Instagram is a culinary resource at this point. If, yeah. you, if you, if that's on your feed. Um, but yeah, on to the next question. How do you decompress? Travel. I mean. Like not work traveling? Because you travel for work too. <laughs> I travel for work too, right? But even on those trips, like I try to Have make time to like uh, take in where I'm at. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Um, so but you, even if even if it's not work related, like I I think my way to decompress and balance is is travel. I enjoy it. It's good to get away from the routine, being a mom, you know, procurement, all that stuff, and just relax away from the usual. So yeah, I would say travel for sure. Cool. And then, what is your main motivation and what impression? Are you trying to leave with Bufista? Man, I would say my main motivation, right? Because at the end of the day, for me, you know, like the way you were feeling earlier from eating my pulayasa? Yeah, I still feel like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, all jokes aside, that is the most rewarding thing for me. Like, there's nothing like seeing people, like, devouring your food, eating your food, and just, like... Just ridiculous amounts. I think I had three plates. <laughs> I can't even. I don't even think that it's something that you can write down. It's something that you have to, to see when you're mm. looking at who's eating your food. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So to me, that's my my motivation. The excitement of like, oh my god, there's a possibility that I could be bringing my food to these people, and they've never probably had pulayasa or my or snapper or you know whatever it is that I'm, I'm I offer. That's that's different. That's very exciting. And then for me to cook it and they even love it. Oh my god. Yeah, it does feel so good. Mo- I'm, like, I'm so much adrenaline. Like when, it comes, when I'm on the food truck or like when I'm catering, I'm a, I'm a real freak. I 
<laughs> After they get my pizza, I'm like, right. yeah. not to like, you're not alone. Not like in a in an insecure kind of way where right. I'm like, oh, I hope they like it. I'm like yeah. looking for that to happen. Right. Because like, every now and then, just when I wasn't, usually doesn't happen when I look on purpose, but I still do it. But I've caught people where I'm like, oh, just look out into the crowd, and then I see somebody take a bite of pizza and like make this crazy like, right. oh, God, it was so right. good. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how did I just catch that moment? Like, that was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. As a sign from the universe that I'm doing the right thing. Right, absolutely. So yeah, that's that's my my motivation right there. Yeah. Just having good food, man. And I think you had a there was a lot yeah, of part to your question. What, what impression are you trying to leave with the pizza? <sighs> home-cooked, quality food. And I think there's a little bit of misconception with African food, right, as far as, well, not a misconception, but I I think most times when people look at African food, it's not really presentable or it doesn't look appetizing, you know, Um, especially when you think about, like, our traditional dishes. But I I don't really have those um, on my menu, but whatever it is that I cook that's African, like, I... Um, spend a little bit more time to make it presentable Mm -hmm. and appetizing so that they're actually willing to try it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's something that we we kind of do need to fix um, as far as African African food goes. It Mm -hmm. tastes really good. It's delicious. But I totally get, like, why does it look like that? I'm probably not. But, just of the way it looks. You know? Yeah, I'm also on the other side of that where it's like try something new. Like it, it doesn't look appetizing to who, to who though. You know what I'm saying? Because right, I'm sure, sure if you put it in front of an African, oh no, they will like, eat it, oh, right? Is... But when you're when you're, I love it. But when you're not necessarily targeting like um, non-Africans, but at the end of the day, like you just want the food that you serve to, to be good. presentable. Yeah, right, right. I think that's also part of your marketing, your branding. Like it's mm-hmm. the the whole picture. Yeah. There's a heavy ignorance to what a lot of cultural foods are out there, especially within the American yeah. states. Yeah. Like, why would I want to do that when I can get a piece of this? Right. Exactly. Why not? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Challenge your palate. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Challenge your palate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, who call somebody out. Who should we get on here? Who's our next guest? Who do you recommend? I, I think that we should try. I agree with Christian as well. But I think that we should um, try to get maybe no discrimination now. Let me put this disclaimer on here, you know. But let's get like a little, a little more like cultural chefs with different cultural backgrounds. So it mm-hmm. could be Haitian, um, African, and I'm going to throw out two names. One of them is in Miami. His name is Chef Lemaire, which I've been following for a while and chatting with him. He's been on Food Network on one of those amazing like um, cooking competitions. He's dope. And I've recently connected with Cuisine with a K, King. He's also Haitian. He's in D.C. I'm not sure if he's part of the Chefs Without Restaurants. I think I follow him. Uh, um, as well, but I'll I'll make sure to like plug him in. But I think he would be he would also be um, a good person to have on his crew. It's amazing. I have one more question. Yes, sir. Right, let's hear it. And this is this is on the fly, quick as possible if you can. What's the best meal you've ever had? Lord have mercy. The best meal I've ever had. I'll give it to my my people from Ivory Coast, man. They make some badass food. 
So shout out to Cote d'Ivoire and, and the food out there, man. There's nothing like it. I know it's a whole country, but mm-hmm. it's dope food. If you want to travel to Africa, I consider it. I, I advise you make it your first stop. Ivory Coast, shout Ivory out Ivory Coast, yeah. 225, 225, that's the area code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We thank have you. had so much fun having you. It was so much fun too. I Looking forward to presence. spending more time with you guys. Yeah, you gotta come back on. We'll mm-hmm. maybe we'll just have a bunch of round tables. Yeah, why not? You guys can come back anytime. Dope. Thanks so much. All right, make sure you subscribe and like the podcast and follow us on Instagram at the Chefs Without Restaurants Podcast and chefswithoutrestaurants.com and dot org. And Bufista, before we go, let everybody know how they can find you. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bufista, B-O-U-F-F-I-S-T-A, Bufista Services at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Bufista. And in case you're wondering what Bufista means, I thought that would be one of your questions. (laughs) So B-O-U-F-F-E in French is like grub, so the slang word for food. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'll take that and add Bufista to it because I'm all about eating. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I came up with Bufista. All right, everybody go follow her and follow us if you don't already. Thanks for listening. We love you. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in sponsoring a show, let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.